Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a great show, everyone says. <laughs> I'm so grateful to you, Rachel, my wife. And I'm not going to say it the way that you want me to say it. You know, the Borat oh, way. Please don't. Everybody wants me to do it right now, but it's, it's, I'm right now I'm just going to deny you that pleasure. I'm so excited that you waited until I was done doing my big, big stretch before you started talking, because I know sometimes you like to put me on the spot. Mm-hmm. I was doing the biggest stretch ever, like a kitty cat in the sun. No, I want you to do more stretching. So does literally every medical professional <laughs> that I've ever talked to in my entire improved. life. I was tra- I was talking to Rachel about this just before we started recording. I've been doing baby lifts, where I when I pick up and drop off Henry at daycare, uh, our baby is not a huge baby, but in the car seat, the whole production oh, weighs yeah. about 7,500 pounds. <laughs> so I'll just do some lifts in there to get yoked because the Undertaker, you know him? Uh, the wrestler? Yeah, challenged yes. me to a, the, a big fight. Uh, not televised wrestling, like an actual punching and hitting fight. And I don't know if you've seen, he's about 60 years old. And so I, I do have that in my corner, but he's 60 years of just pure muscle mass. <laughs> and so I'm trying to get my gains where I can. Cause I don't, he is an undertaker. Didn't we hear he lives in Austin? He lives in Austin, of course. That's And that's why I wronged him. We were checking out the HEB. I grabbed the last box of Tic Tacs and he was like, I want those. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mr. Taker, you need to chill the fuck out, dude. And then he was like, I'm going to do a punch fight on you November 10th, which is coming up. I don't have much time. It's like three days from now. Yeah, that's real soon. So I got to get strong. And I've been doing the baby lifts and it requires a lot of stretching. Because if I lose the fight, you know, he is like the coffin man. And he'll put me right in one. Oh, gosh. He's got the scariest little things that he does, you know. Well. With his eyes. Yeah, the eyes thing is pretty good. The, just making your neck bulge out until new sort of uncharted veins every time he does his entrance like there's doctors watching him like mm, new veins new veins interesting and they're writing down in their little nerd notebooks they're naming, they're naming the veins after him but when you're a 60 70 year old uh professor professional wrestler i don't know it's less <laughs> professor of wrestling professor of wrestling <laughs> uh i don't know it's less intimidating more like whoa dude chill you do slow down and that's the thing i've got to contend with what if i get way too baby strong and i kill the undertaker in the fight we have i have heard i'm a big my brother my brother and me fan and i feel like i have heard oh shit you're right take it back i've heard you say this before that you are afraid that the fight you get into um will be the one where you accidentally kill someone is that true oh i thought you were talking about my long-standing feud with gold dust which i did mention on the show no that's travis's that's more travis's thing oh really because travis thinks he's so strong he'd punch somebody to death but this is not a hypothetical situation this is my what today's the seventh and it's Tuesday, Friday. Yeah, I it's killer be killed me and the Undertaker. So either this is the last episode of Wonderful or WrestleMania is going to be a little disappointing this year, I guess. Well, it's you know, it's funny you should mention that because I did have a conversation actually with the Undertaker. Oh, and if he wins, I'll just do Wonderful with him. Oh, so don't don't worry, marry- listeners. Don't hey. worry. Are you going to marry him? No, of course not. You're never going to remarry, right? After The Undertaker takes me into the ground? I'm not planning on it. Oh, you better not, because I'll come back a vengeful spirit. See, I'm about 88% sure. Every episode of Wonderful after this one, because let's be honest, I'm not going to win. <laughs> Unless I start doing some like really serious baby you know, crunches and lifts right now. Um, every episode you're going to hear the home listener, you're going to hear a weird crackling in the background. That's me haunting it because I've come back as a vengeful spirit because you're hosting it with my killer, who is the undertaker. And he'll be like, Hey, undertaker, get away from my wife. And then, but then I'll be like, and then in the background, you'll hear like, (laughs) who goes first this time? I think it's me. I think it is you. Yeah. So Griffin and I, again, had the same fear that we would be covering the same topics, but I don't think I don't think we I have think to this worry is the one, that. dude. I don't think so. I think this is the one because I feel like I know what you're going to say. Okay, let's see what you got to say. Let me pull out my. I'm saying if it's if if, if we we've been on a streak now of like talking about things that we have been experiencing in the past week, and if we do that, we're going to double up. I don't think it's happening. All right, do it. The League of Women Voters. Okay, not my. <laughs> I do love the League of Women Voters, but that was I will admit not my thing. I know. 
Uh, League of Women Voters. I so two things. One, uh, I know they're very helpful in helping me stay informed in some lesser known topics when yes. election season's rolling around, yes. especially in years like this one, uh, where there's not like a ton on the Texas ballot. Uh, by the way, I hope you all voted. This is our election special, and you missed it if you didn't shoot. <laughs> not exactly timely. The but... other thing is I get them confused with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with well, that's fun. Sean Connery in it. Mm-hmm. But it's not that. Or it's... the Justice League. Or the Justice League. or um... League of Their Own. League of Their Own is another mo- thing with League in it. Big, <laughs> um, major League with... Mm. Uh, the... Television show The League. <sighs> Legally Blonde. <laughs> No, that's a different. Uh, tell me all about the League of Women Voters, okay. the League of Extraordinary Women Voters. So I actually like it for the same reason Griffin does. Um, around election season, I always go to their website because they put out uh, nonpartisan information about the elections. And this group was actually started in 1920. Uh, it was just six months before the 19th Amendment that gave women the right to vote. Uh, and the whole purpose of the league was to help these 20 million new women carry out their responsibilities. Well, these 20 million new women new voters, women. <laughs> they didn't, okay, 19th Amendment passes and then 20 million women <laughs> crawl out of their biopods. <laughs> it's time. But metaphorically. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, but not. Yeah, so all these women now have the right to vote, uh, and the league existed to help them become informed. Uh, and so it was, it was an experiment at the time. I don't know that they anticipated it would have the longevity that it did. Uh, but the league was, uh, an organization, uh, that was nonpartisan and was founded on the belief that, uh, maintaining a nonpartisan stance would protect the f- organization from becoming mired in party politics. Uh, so the league is all about sharing information. So, for example, on this most recent election day, if you needed information about the different propositions, because often you do, uh, the league was a great resource. And they have them uh, all over the country. There are 50 state leagues and over a thousand local leagues. Wow, I didn't know that it was quite that. Mm-hmm. They had splinter so there's cells. There's one for Texas and there's one for Austin. Okay. Uh, and just so you know, in their 1974 convention, they amended the bylaws to allow men to join the league as full voting members. That's fantastic. So it's not just for the ladies. Finally, like an opportunity for us. <laughs> I, this sounds, I feel like this may sound weird on paper of why do you need somebody to tell you how to feel about a certain well, political that's issue. Not what they're doing it's at all. super not I want to stress it. Well, there might be people who aren't familiar with the League of Women Voters and sort of this this report that they put out. Um, this year in, in, uh, Texas and Travis County, uh, the, the ballot included a lot of things that were like a lot of shit that you don't really know about as a usual, a lot of very granular, very specific stuff. Like for instance, should sports organizations have a cap on, uh, charitable donations received through raffles? And it's like, I don't. On paper, yeah, sure, that sounds good. But what are the drawbacks? Because there, uh, there's a reason why this hasn't happened yet. I bet, and the League of Women Voters comes in and says, "Well, here's why people are supporting this, and here's why people are against this." And then you can make up your own mind. It's not like who should I, who should I vote for? Who's good? Who's the good one? It's like, oh, here's here's details about this thing. A lot of a lot of which are very granular things. Yeah, and I think the point that you made about making up your own mind is what I appreciate so much about it is that, you know, you can have friends and family members you trust tell you how they're voting. But if I think there's real power to walking in and and making a decision based on how you interpreted the information. Uh, And I think that was the whole point of having everybody have their own votes. Yeah, for sure. uh, One thing I wanted to say there's a website called vote411.org. And if you go to that website and enter your address and zip code, it will show you everything that's on your ballot specific to your location. Uh, and so if you can't, for whatever reason, find a League of Women Voters in your area, you can just go to vote411.org and enter your location. And it'll tell you 
what's coming up. So I recognize now (laughs) (laughs) it's a little late to have this information. I mean, it's always, yeah. Uh, But I really appreciated it, and I continue to appreciate it every election season, and and I wanted to share it in case people didn't know it was a resource. For next time. Yeah. Just lock lock this one in the Disney vault for for a little bit (laughs) until the next election rolls around. Uh, no, that's a really good one. It's a really good service that they put out. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm so lazy. And so like having a, you know, an organization sort of do some of the, the research legwork for me. Is... Yeah, because so many times I've voted and I've gone in there not knowing anything about what's on the ballot. Well, propositions sometimes, especially like yeah. county level propositions, will sneak the fuck up on you. Yeah. And I know we sound like we are politically disconnected right now, but just realistically speaking, during especially major elections or when I feel like they get the the shortest shrift and that I make up my mind and, you know, I try to read the, the different papers and what they're saying about different candidates on the more local elections and more like weird sort of, you know, dog catcher level. Obviously, that's not one of them. I'm speaking florally. Um, and then I press that big you know, gray next button to move on to the next thing. It's like, oh, here's 20 propositions. Oh, you didn't know about these? Well, anyway. It's such uh, a terrible feeling to be in there and recognize that you have this great constitutional power and you have done absolutely no homework. On some of it. Like, I feel good about the homework (laughs) I did, but then a prop pops up that's like, yeah, should we spend $20 million renovating our city's speed limit signs? And it's like, I don't know. That sounds like an important thing. It tells people how fast to go. Um, Yeah, it's good stuff. Do you want my first one? Yes. Okay. My first thing is pecan pie. Oh. Pecan pie. This is what you thought I was going to do. I made a pecan pie. I made a test pecan pie this week. Because, you know, I have my pecan pie recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, actually a caramel pecan pie that I usually make. But uh, because Rachel is not eating dairy... Uh, because of our son, I have had to alter it somewhat. So I came, I, I found a dairy free, uh, pecan pie recipe and made it just to see if it would be good. Yeah. Cause we're on the, we're on the books to make pecan pie for our, uh, Friendsgiving that we're doing here in town. And I'm pleased to report that the experiment was a, a massive it's success. Delicious. Yeah. I was telling Griffin the other day that pecan pie is my all time favorite pie and maybe all time favorite dessert. I, okay. The, the thing I said to you, which is why I wanted to talk about it is that I think pecan pie... I I have other foods that I think I like more. I don't think pecan pie is my favorite food. It is my favorite flavor. The flavor of pecan pie. Science, food science recognizes the five major flavors of sour, sweet, savory, bitter, and ooh, mommy. (laughs) I would... I would put forward that there is a sixth secret flavor, and it is simply pecan pie. Because pecan pie, yeah, it's sweet. And you get that earthy note from the pecans. You get some of that umami. Will you um? Will you pull out? Will you extract that umami uh, that you just did so people can make it their ringtone? I'll sell it as a ringtone. I'll sell it as a ringtone oh, on iTunes it. for ninety nine okay. cents. No, that's yeah, good. that's good. Um, because I don't think it tastes like. I don't think there's another flavor that I can really equate pecan pie to. When I eat pecan pie, I get so psyched, and I think it's because unless you're making like pecan squares or whatever, don't be a jag. Um, it's like the only thing that really tastes like that, I feel like. And it's very, very exciting. So pecan pie is a great pie. I almost went into like what a pie was. Uh, the, the recipes, like any recipe is usually, uh, pecans, eggs, butter, and then some sugar. I, so the big what thing we used, by the way in this recipe uh as some, a replacement was margarine yeah we use soy-based margarine and almond milk and it still turned out really fucking good uh it's the eggs that really sort of make it that that good creamy stuff usually the sugar that people use i didn't know this i've made a lot of pecan pies and this is apparently like where they got popularized uh was corn syrup is the sort of yeah. sugar material that people use for it and this is i'm speaking i'm revealing my own ignorance here uh, because I think Cairo uh, syrup like put out like a bunch of ad campaigns back in the 30s, like "Yo, pecan pie, check it out! It's totally happening, and you got to use this corn syrup for it." And that is sort of, I guess, the main Southern style way of cooking a pecan huh. pie. I always do brown sugar yeah. with a little bit of white sugar in there. Um, and the origins are a little confusing. Um, some have stated like specifically, not I'm not talking about like a 
eating pecans, but the specifically pecan pie. Uh, generally, people think that the French uh, sort of figured it out after they settled in New Orleans, after they were introduced to yes. the uh, pecan nut by several uh, Native American tribes in in the region. Uh, like it, it kind of has European origins in that it's basically a treacle tart, uh, but obviously there's pecans all up and over it. Can I ask um, you a question? Yeah, sure. Do you know anyone that says pecan? I'm sure I, we live in Texas, so like we, you recognize we are in the minority here. I believe. Well, no, see, I don't think it happens in Texas. I think it's actually more of an Eastern thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I, I then I don't think I've ever. I don't think I know anybody who says that. Mm-hmm. I would be delighted to because it's a very fun way to say a word <laughs> wrong. Um, but do, yeah, like, do you know anyone that says whale newt instead of walnut? Yeah, I know. I actually say whale newt and I say pianut <laughs> and I say uh, ailments mm-hmm. and uh, haslanut, uh, pistachios. <laughs> you know that one? Yeah. Or I say, crack open that shell for me, baby, because I want to get my grubby hands on that green pistachios. <laughs> See, that one's hard to say differently. Uh, differently than what? what? The way I said the way I said it. Uh, Make damia. <laughs> um. So the recipe for pecan pie was first published in Harper's Bazaar in 1886, and that was sort of the first recorded instance of. It's funny going back through like histories of things. It's funny how much of it is sort of firmed up and established by it was finally published in a magazine. Yeah. Because magazines used to be the only thing people did back in the day. And so it was like it got in a magazine and everybody read it. And there was no other way for them to like figure this shit out. And so it was like, oh, it was in a magazine. So it's mm-hmm. now it's official. Um, there's just there's just something about a pecan pie. It has it has every texture. I feel like imaginable. You get that like flakiness at the mm-hmm. bottom. And then you got just a mantle, like a, a, a mantle of goo, just that sweet fucking grape goo in mm-hmm. there. And then surprise a big, big crunch right on top. Just a big old <laughs> crunchy little fucking just surprise there at the top. And that, that crunch is made up of candied pecans, which on their own, you could pick them off the top of the pie and just eat those. And it's still a ball mm-hmm. and dessert. It's delicious. Candy pecans rule. They sell them in movie theaters. And I was working in a movie theater like when that sort of started to. I don't remember that. They sell them in some movie theaters. Like um, in a box or like. No, in a little uh, paper cone sort of oh, situation. That is unique. That is not something oh, okay. they do well, I was working at a, a movie theater when that sort of machine was installed. And I've That's seen it in a lot of other places too. And I cannot tell you the my olfactory experience working that job eight hours a day from stink ass hot butter which is if i love buttered popcorn now but it took me a long time to sort of get back into the game because between the burnt popcorn smell and the like butter everywhere smell it was like just a bad situation all the time and then to have this fucking non-stop pecan just sugar potpourri in the air mm. like really really made that job much much better um and I don't know, it's only served during holidays, right? You never really hear of it outside of the sort of November, December region. So it kind of gets me in that holiday mood. And you know that I love that. And it's just such a hearty, hearty dessert. And it doesn't make me feel like garbage every time I eat it, which I can't say of a lot of pies. I love a pie. I love making pie. And I love eating pie. Yeah, see, but- this is why I'm a pie person. Griffin and I, when we started dating, he told me about his family's longstanding debate on whether you're a pie person or a cake person. Cake or pie, right. And this is, I feel like this has really hit the mainstream, and we invented it and never got any royalties. I'm 100% pie. I used to be team cake I cannot v- believe that about you. Well, I love, here's what I would say what in my cake, cake in my cake. Def- like? Well, we can get into semantics, and the semantics are like, well, is uh, our pancakes cake? Yes. Is pizza a pie? Whatever. Um <laughs> I like cake. I still enjoy a good cake, right? But then I would say, like, well, but I don't like it when there's a lot of frosting. And if, if, that's, had, if that's what I'm saying, then what the fuck, team? Why, why are my allegiances so firm in this wrong If I had belief? to name a cake that I liked, it would be difficult for me. Strawberry cake, Heath cake, any poke cake, like... I get chocolate. Do you, do you know chocolate cake? Have you had that one before? Um, anyway, I, I was saying, <laughs> I can eat pecan pie and I don't feel like shit. 
I love I love pies. I think they're very it's a fascinating food and it's really fun to cook and I I genuinely love pies. But a lot of pies, especially like first of all, I don't mess with like I don't like like a chocolate pie or a peanut butter pie where the thing you're eating you just feel like you're eating just a big glob of chocolate. Like that's not my favorite. Uh, and a lot of fruit pies, the problem is you're just eating so much fruit, so much like sugar reduced fruit that it gets like super acidic. And then I feel kind of bad. Like a cherry pie, I'm actually not that oh, into. See, I love a cherry pie. I'm not that into because I eat a bunch of it and then I don't feel good. But pecan pie, it sticks to your ribs and then it just doesn't like, I don't know, I don't feel super shitty after I eat it. It is the best pie, and it's my one of my favorite foods and my favorite flavor, and I'm excited that I did this test pie because we ate a lot of it, and I know here in a couple weeks I'm just going to make another one of these fucking things. <laughs> it's really exciting for me. Me too. I'm going to have to make two of them. we got a lot of friends coming to Friendsgiving, I think. That's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, babe. Yes. Can I steal you away? You're... Bl- you're blowing out your mic super, super hard. <laughs> it was so loud. It was so loud, babe. I just turned up, my, the monitor was kind of low, and so I turned it up a little bit because I realized like I wasn't hearing what we were saying super good, and then you assaulted me. Babe, no, don't be embarrassed. It hurt, it literally physically hurt my body. Gobble, 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 gobble. See, it's really good, and I don't want you to think I didn't think it was good. It just like... You went from being very far away from your mic to inside of them. You um, got shrunk down with the inner space machine, and then you were inside the mic screaming into, on, into me and on me. I, lo- I loved it. Thank you. Maybe I a little al- early. I also love blue. It's a little bit early. We've been talking about our Thanksgiving special, and I'm excited to get there. And maybe this time, you know, you won't go into labor. It was really... Now that we're almost a year out, can I just say? little rude. Hmm. Well, I waited. At least we had one Thanksgiving meal. Yeah, but we had two Thanksgivings. And we were going to go to the plants. And you know the plants don't fuck around with Thanksgiving. I missed the second Thanksgiving. I literally brought the fork up to my mouth. And that fork had the most luscious turkey dripping with gravy, a pile of chatos right on there. And it was like, ah, ring, ring. Uh, you know, my diaphragm or whatever. Uh, my and you're, And I think as a listener, you must be wondering... Why were Griffin and Rachel apart? Uh, do you, I, we can say it's because you said, <laughs> do you want to do this? You said, go on over. I'll be over later. I feel like I have really bad gas right now. And I said, it's not, you're sure you're not going to labor, right? And you're like, no, no, it's just gas. I'll text you if it's labor. And then turkey, ow, the smell, the turkey like hit my nose. And I felt like true happiness and release for the first time. And then bring, bring, it's labor. Oh, no. It's not farts. That's what it said. It's not farts. And that's how I knew I was going to meet my son. It's not farts. Oh, I can't wait to meet him. What's he going to be like? Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait. What's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli uh this this menu is out of sight and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy jpegs of tasty food so head to factormeals.com slash wonderful 50 and use code wonderful 50 to get 50 percent off that's code wonderful 50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful 50 to get 50 percent off it can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis, um, website design or website functionality. And you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Got a couple Jumbotrons real quick. Special thanks to everybody who like sold out our Jumbotrons basically instantaneously. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, it means a lot that you all think so highly of us and want us to say stuff like this message is for Elise and it's from Kyle. I said it like that because they provided the most like hardcore phonetic pronunciation ever where it's like capital E, capital E. <laughs> and it's from Kyle, who says, Hey, best friend, I thought it would be a nice surprise to have Griffin and Rachel wish you a happy birthday and good luck on your law school exams. You're the smartest person I know, and you impress me every day. Thanks for sharing your love for all things McElroy with me and for saying yes when I asked you to marry me. I love Aww. you most and best. Happy birthday, Lee. And good luck on those law school tests. Here's a cheat sheet for you, so just plug these. She's got the earbuds plugged in right now. She's taking the test. Jurisprudence is a legal term. <laughs> Habeas corpus means the big corpse. Torts. Torts are delicious. Here's one from uh, uh, Ruth, and it's for my good, good adjective boy, Dave, who says, uh, I'm sorry I'm so far away, but fear not. Uh, I will be home for your birthday. I'm so excited to see you. I wanted to tell you that you are the most beautiful person I know. You listen to me always. You make my brain quiet when it's loud, and you hold my hand when I'm scared, even from thousands of miles away. I love you so much, Bear. Zig on him. Well, just, even that is kind of a zag, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, and also, I just love that we've had our first message for... Uh, stretch armstrong cyber mutant they can reach their arms out thousands of miles oh, and it's really incredible griffin. the other day i was out walking the dog we don't have one of those i was out walking the me and i looked up and i just saw a big fleshy arm just stretching across the sky and i knew i knew in celeb news this week the hosts of lady to lady took a break from hanging with today's hottest comedians actors and writers to sell a sex machine what they do with all that cash? Rent a party bus to go to Magic Mike Live in Vegas, of course. All of this on the heels of a salacious sizzler session with Home Alone 4 star French Stewart. Want to know what the f*** we're talking about? Tune into Lady to Lady whenever, wherever you listen to podcasts. Can you keep a secret? Neither can we. You want to tell me about your second thing? I do. My second thing. I was really excited about this one because it was only a matter of time before I brought it up. And I am bringing it up this week because November 10th is the 25-year anniversary. It is the R.E.M. album, <laughs> Automatic for the People. All right. They're doing a deluxe reissue on November 10th of this album, and I will have to get it. Yeah, for sure. I know R.E.M. and I like R.E.M. I don't know anything about them, or I don't know what songs are on what albums or anything. And I, I'm so excited for the history lesson. You're going to learn so much. I'm so psyched. Uh, so this album came out in 1992. It has such hits as Man on the Moon. I know that one. Oh, wait, I thought that was on the for the soundtrack to the Jim Carrey movie. Wait, no, that came out way after. Yes. The Jim Carrey, uh, Andy Kaufman movie. Yeah. That, so they just used that song. That song was about Andy Kaufman, so it was very appropriate for that film. But they made a new music video for the film that had scenes from the movie in it, I feel like. Maybe it's it was just unusual. a special. I guess not. Okay. Uh, Everybody Hurts. Oh, yeah. Is on that album. Uh, and then a few other songs that I personally love, um, like Drive, Night Swimming. Oh, Night Swimming. Sweetness Follows and Find the River. Um, I may ask you to put a little clip of Sweetness yeah. Follows. Sweetness Follows. Tell me, tell me which one, and I'll drop it in. 
Oh, well, either Sweetness Follows or Night Swimming. I think maybe Night Swimming. Why don't we close with Night Swimming? Because it'll put us in like a good mood. Okay. And we'll do Sweetness Follows right now. I always knew this all So this was their eighth studio album. It came right out. Eighth? Seriously? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were around for a long time before they hit it big. I love bands that are like that. Yeah. Uh, But the previous album was Out of Time, which had Losing My Religion and Shiny Happy People on it, which were huge hits. So when Automatic for the People came out, they kind of had this license to be a little more experimental because they knew they were going to get radio play no matter what because of their last album. Which one had Orange Crush? Uh, I think that's Monster. Okay. Which came after Automatic for the People. Okay. Not a very popular album. I like Orange Crush. Yeah, I do too. Uh, so here's the thing. I got really into R.E.M. when I was in middle school, uh, which was kind of early 90s, right around when alt-rock was a big thing. Um, and what I liked so much about alternative music was that what was popular at the time wasn't really speaking to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, that's why alt, yeah. alt music and grunge and everything sort of, oh, that's, oh, it can sound like that. Okay, that's yeah. so, that's a so lot better. This is what's interesting. So I looked up from 1992 when this album came out, the top singles. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I say, oh, boy, I was five years old, so I don't know that this is really going to. Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. I will not talk any shit about that. And if you do, I'll quit the podcast. I swear to God. Mr. Big to be with you. That's also a really good one. Snap. Rhythm is a dancer. Uh, Boys to men. End of the road. And then Nirvana smells like teen spirit. That was number five. I'm not saying these in any order. I was going to say, I thought that was like the biggest song of all time ever. Uh, The reason I bring all that up is that these songs with the exception of nirvana smells like teen spirit were all very kind of produced very like yeah you know like a, kind of a late almost a late 80s sound like especially mr big to be with you like, i am blown away that that song came out in the 90s i thought for sure mm-hmm. like it was out before i was born so and then automatic for the people comes out and uh smells like teen spirit and it's just this very very different thing were you into nirvana a little bit. It was but, a little bit before you, right? Like, well, yeah, there were some middle school kids that I knew that were into Nirvana, but I, I wasn't exactly there. Yeah. All that to say, when I was in middle school and feeling like I didn't fit in, to have music that was kind of welcoming those people and saying, like, "Hey, yeah, no, that's that's not all that weird, actually. There are a lot of us. I really appreciated." Uh, and also, Michael Stipe is so sexy. Uh, no. <laughs> hey, that was never that was never my reason. But I did love Michael Stipe. I, what's not to love? He's incredible. Actually, I have this quote. It's specifically about "Everybody Hurts," which was a huge hit. Uh, it was released as a single in April 1993. An unlikely fucking hit, though, because the song's literally called "Everybody Hurts," and it's the saddest song ever. No, and that is wrong. <gasps> That is wrong because the whole message of the song. I guess I don't know very. There are all these lyrics that say like, "If you feel like letting go, you're not alone." So hold on, hold on, over and over again. It's not as okay. Then it's not. So there's this hopefulness to it. It's a very hopeful song, but it's. I'm saying like, it's on some brick Ben Folds Five level. Like this is the most popular song in America right now, and (laughs) it's not about like how much you, you know, love love your significant other or. Really, I guess that's the only song that most of the time hits hits the singles. It's about a pretty serious subject. It is, for sure. And and definitely, you'll see this message, I think, more frequently in songs of today. And at the time, you know, Whitney Houston was singing that I will always love you. And, mm, and- oh, we can't say even anything, <laughs> even remotely, even a little bit, even a smidgen against that song. Uh, so here's what Michael Stipe said. Um, he said... That a lot of people specifically about that song have talked um, so honestly with him about how it it saved their life and it was there at a time when they needed it. And he said, there's so many of these songs 
that either are very overtly or kind of quietly speaking to the island of broken toys. It's the people that are, for whatever reason, outsiders, people that feel like they don't fit in, in one way or another. These songs are there for them. These are my people, you know, the songs are for us. And I, I really appreciated that because that that was very much the feeling I had when listening to that album. I mean, it's it's very beautiful and vulnerable. You know, there's all this like string element yeah, to it. Yeah, sure. And apparently the string arrangements were put together by the former Led Zeppelin bassist, John Paul Jones. Holy shit. I didn't, I didn't know realize. that. Yeah. There's a lot of strings on this album. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's very raw uh, and it feels very intimate listening to that album, uh, specifically the song Night Swimming, uh, which is part of the reason that I love that song so much. Um, but I would say this is around the time when I first started buying albums. And I would always get really disappointed because there was always like three or four songs on an album that I was like, oh, I got to skip this one. This was the first album that you were like, yeah, front to just back. listen to it over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, I I was excited that they're reissuing this album, that it's somehow been 25 years. Um, Does that kind of freak your being a little bit? Well, here's the thing. Like, I was a little late to it. I was maybe a couple years late, and I recognized that I was kind of on the young end of their audience. So while 25 years is a long time, it's not like... It's not that... It's not like I was in high school or in college. You know, this is... No offense if you were. It's... yeah. Yeah. It was just like, for me, I was a kid. So being a kid feels like a long time ago. I really sometimes do wish I was a little bit older during this era. Because we just watched the, inexplicably, we just kind of put it on on a lark. There's a Foo Fighters documentary, I think, on Netflix. And man, when this scene was coming up, I can't imagine how fucking exciting that must have been. Because obviously Mm -hmm. it had origins and things that were accessible to you if you lived in the right parts of the country or whatever. But to have them be colossal and then all of a sudden so um they're just having there be so many bands with so many like songs in this style of music that was before like kind of tough to get at i don't know i think i think it would have been really really exciting it was such a perfect time to be a teenager yeah because it spoke to that shit exactly just this feeling of of being an outsider um and 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 having these emotions that that kind of pitted you against anything that was considered, you know, mainstream. Um, so I don't. I, you just felt it's important. so hard to talk about this without sounding like a huge. Not that you sound like a huge anything, but yeah, like, no, you just it felt important to listen to, and it it validated all your feelings. Um, it feels douchey to talk about it like that now, but it was absolutely how like I thought about it when I was mm-hmm. a kid, like. This is it. I will say I was also a member of the REM fan club. What did what benefits did that? This give was you? a time period when a lot of bands and just like I was also a member of the Pee Wee's Playhouse fan club, on uh, the Mystery Science Theater fan club. That was a good fucking fan club, mm-hmm. though. So you so you would get like newsletters and like little stickers in the mail occasionally. Um, it was. It was all mail based. It was just sure. things would come to your house uh, that would give you like insider information I because love that. this was kind of before the internet. Right. So you would, this is how you would find things out. Uh, let's play Night Swimming and move on to the next thing. Here's Night Swimming by Ren. Am I, did I pronounce it right? Oh, Griffin, no. Night Swimming deserves a quiet night. Serves a quiet night. All right, I'm going to do my last one real, real quick. My thing, my second thing is the humble, unassuming deck of playing cards. Ooh. Deck of playing cards. You know about playing cards. Everybody loves them. You can do stuff with them. 13 cards and four suits for 52 total cards. It's great. I started to look into the history of it. And then I realized that it's so vast and horrifying uh, that it wouldn't make for a very good version of the show. But needless to say, like it has ancient roots and then was, uh, you know, adapted and uh, sort of moved around the world through different cultures in ways that still kind of resonate today. What we play with is sort of the French modern set of uh, 52 cards, four suits with 13 cards in them with the Jack, King, Queen and Ace face cards along with jokers and then manufacturers include rule cards, but that's not necessarily the case. There is 
Um, there's a like a Spanish symbol deck, and those use cups, coins, clubs, and swords. German uh, playing cards uh, could use hearts, bells, acorns, and leaves, which I is have extremely no idea. good. Not that that's what they use, but that is sort of the. I, I don't know if that's what they use or not, but that is sort of how. That's just to illustrate that cards everywhere are different. I think also there is a tarot French set of playing cards with tarot cards in them, not necessarily oh. traditionally what you would think of as tarot cards, but uh, just different cards that they use for different match-taking games. Um, anyway, that's all to say that just Google the history of playing cards and different versions of playing cards because it's buck wild and... It was. I could. I. It would be like reading a full like novel in order to prep for this topic. Um, I did find this one thing. Uh, do you know how uh, the Ace of Spades in a deck will often have the manufacturer or the company that makes the cards their their logo on it? Yeah. Uh, that is a holdout from uh from the reign of James the First in England, who passed a law requiring an insignia on that specific card as proof of payment of a tax on local manufacturer of playing cards. Uh-huh. So like to this day, there's a lot of there's a lot of like shit like that. But this was the first one. This is the first time I had heard that. And thought it was I'm surprised that you went as big as playing cards, because what would have surprised me less is if you had promoted the game Euchre. Thank you, babe, for bringing me to Euchre, which you mm-hmm. always this was a clever ploy on my part. Always aggressively try and get me to play. I don't know why you hate Euchre so much. It's a very it's, good game. It's because it's a tri- every single time we play, I need to be taught how to play. It's so simple, babe. It's a trick-taking game where you use the cards nine through ace of all four suits. The jack of the trump suit is the the left bower, and it's the most powerful card. And then the jack of the same color as the trump suit oh, is the right bower. You have a partner, and then it's ace, king, queen, the usual stuff going down. You have a partner and you have to take tricks. And then if you think you can go solo, then you try to take all the tricks yourself. But if they take more tricks than you, then they get two points. And then you can shoot the moon, right? You can shoot the moon. There's there's lots of different rules in Euchre and they're so good. It's the best fucking game. Anyway. Griffin loves rules. You should do a segment on Wonderful. Just about Euchre? No, just about rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How much I you could, love rules. I could do that. <laughs> when you have a deck of cards in your hand, the reason I didn't do Euchre and instead did, did a deck of cards. When you have a deck of hand, cards in your hand, you basically are holding a infinite entertainment device because you can play anything from like gambling games like poker or blackjack to more traditional games like rummy or gin gin rummy uh euchre hearts (laughs) uh crazy eights war go fish solitaire bs fucking uh ers like anything like there's 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 so many so many so many games so like you have one and it's just infinite games that you could play on so many different occasions uh, maybe you're just like hanging out at a at a, a beach house and you just came in from the sun and you're there with some friends and then there's a deck of cards and it's like oh well let's cool down play a few hands of hearts and that's really good you can also there are games that uh, are for one person solitaire two people three people four people however many people you have like this small thing that you can hold in your hand will generate a game for your group to play no matter what maybe you want to do a drinking game yeah with your party friends because you're partying maybe you want to do a partying drinking game that's an that's there's plenty of those also (laughs) the only other logical response when you see somebody pull out a pack of cards is oh shit someone's about to do a card trick and the good news is that's great also (laughs) when you see someone with a deck of cards it's either time to play a card game great or they're going to do a card trick also great it's the only object that when i see somebody brandish it i think one of two great things is about to happen griffin has a card trick he can do i have a a few is there a name for the card trick that you do uh it's like palming it it's not really it's more sleight of hand i can do card tricks like traditional card tricks um but then the one i do is where i make it disappear in my hand just by like sort of Griffin was younger he studied he studied the magic arts that's not true why would you say that well because you can do a magic trick that doesn't mean I study. I didn't go to fucking Hogwarts. No, I learned it from Richard Fredeking. He was the magic trick kid at my school. Did you have a magic trick kid at your school? No. That's not that unreasonable. When in the David Blaine era, you didn't go to high school in the David Blaine era. That's very true. And in the David Blaine era, there was a magic kid at, at every fucking school, no matter what. And Richard was that for me, and I had lunch with him for like one semester, and he taught me the how to palm a card or whatever it is. The when you, you put it behind your palm. So anyway, 
Um, Euchre is the best card game that's on here. Uh, it, I think it would be my, like, desert island thing, other than a hatchet. Oh, that's smart, though. A hatchet's really smart, because, yeah, I agree, because you can do it. You can, like, <laughs> no, shave down the and look at Gary I wouldn't have even thought of that. But then, like, a deck of cards. You have a deck of cards, and it's literally any you can do anything with it and i love games and i love toys and i love all that shit and you can use it to spread things like a knife yeah you can like if it. you found a, a an island fruit that you wanted to spread spread yeah you could use a card yeah and then you just don't get to use that card anymore <laughs> and then over time the loss of that one card would drive you slowly insane <laughs> until you made more cards out of palm leaves yes. and it's like what's he what's he got in his hand it's a straight flush well one of those is a palm leaf i know the palm leaf is the nine of clubs because jerry over here used to spread some fucking durian so i don't know uh deck of cards infinite awesome good one system for anything good one uh let's wrap up huh yes you want to hear some submissions yes uh, here's one from Nate that I loved. Field trips are the greatest. I loved them as a student and love them even more now as a teacher. I brought my students to a state park last week to take in nature and the look of awe in their faces and the fantastic questions they raise make the small bit of anxiety about losing a kid absolutely worth it. Don't lose a kid in a state park. There's probably bears. Uh, they are getting experiences that they might never get. And this is certainly what they're going to remember in 10 years. Hell yeah. That's so exactly true. It's nice to hear a teacher actually appreciates those because I always felt like we were kind of punishing our teachers. You know which one I remember the most? Which one? We went to the, uh, I forget the name of it, but there is a system of locks and dams in uh, around Huntington and we went to it. I was blown away. The machines were so fucking big. And I watched them like pull the lever to like That's cool. shoot all the water out. And the water moved so fast. And there was so much water. I was like mind boggled. Um, here's one from Brian who says, NaNoWriMo is wonderful. National Novel Writing Month is every November. And to participate, oh you try gosh, to write a 50,000 word novel in 30 days. I've completed it successfully a few times. That's buck wild that you've done that. Uh, I, it's a huge accomplishment, uh, but I haven't done it in the past few years. This year, for some reason, the madness has overtaken me again, and I'm going for it. It's kind of silly since it essentially means piling work on yourself for a month, and the only tangible reward is a uh, rushed, badly written novel that you'll never want to show anyone because it's bad. But doing it gives me an amazing sense of uh, satisfaction and accomplishment. I always forget about that until the month is like well, well into it. Yeah, I have ideas for novels, and I want to do them, but... And maybe this is the only way I will ever actually yeah, like, force I mean, myself to do it. Yeah, I mean, even if you only get a few ideas out of it, it still seems worthwhile. Yeah, totally. Uh, here's one from Mark who says, I wanted to tell you something uh, that gets me excited every year. High school band competitions. The marching band season is ending right about now, and I already can't wait to start teaching next year. Seeing a bunch of kids pour themselves into a niche musical passion under the lights in the cold creates a kind of magic that only comes every October. Oh, Fuck my gosh. Yes. I loved marching band. I was in marching band. All four years of high school, I played the flute, and we had a really passionate band director who became one of my favorite teachers uh, and just made it such a great experience for all of us. It's so good. And the, the, the way that they describe like the sensation of like the season of band mm -hmm. competitions is like, oh my God, the feeling of like a cold bleacher under your butt. And then yes. you're just like bumping when the music comes on. Like, oh man, it's a, I mean, I was a spectator. I yeah. was never in marching band. I did go to a collegiate marching band competition called Drums Across the Tri-State every year with my dad because he emceed it. And it was the best because you got that to see people cool. bring out their fucking like game face and just go so hard. I mean, it's a performance. Like you can identify with that. Like yeah, for sure. you're with a bunch of people performing something. It's cool. Last one. It's from Angela who says, uh, so my wonderful thing is bird watching, also known as birding by those in the hobby. Best description so far of why it's wonderful comes from my husband who says, you get to be outside and know things. And I like both of those it's basically like real life pokemon only it can only be played uh anytime any place without anything electronic here's why it's really wonderful i have an almost three-year-old and when he was about two he started noticing birds i'd put my birding hobby on hold pretty much since pregnancy but was starting to put out bird feeders again and uh find out what birds were in our yard uh around uh, about when they were two and a half uh he started being able to identify them on his own we're not talking bird blue here we're talking that's a stellar's jay it is so amazing that's so great. That is really great. I have an aunt that's into birding. Yeah, I never really got it. And then we were walking through Central Park and she was just like, that's that bird, that's that bird, that's that bird, that's that bird. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> she yeah. she took us to one tree and she was like, there's a family of like 
owls or something that live up there. Oh, they're not there today. And it's like, you know which tree the owls are in? That's <laughs> wild. Yeah, it would be very cool to live in a place that would give you access to that kind of variety. Yeah. Man, there's a long one. Thank you all so much for listening to Wonderful. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link in the episode description. Uh, you want to thank Max Fun for us? Because I'm very thankful. <laughs> I would like to thank Max Fun. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Jesse Thorne, uh, and all the great shows at Max Fun. Uh, shows like Bullseye, shows like Stop Podcasting Yourself. I listened to that 500th episode, by Wasn't the way. Wasn't it wonderful? Holy shit, it was so funny. <laughs> They're really great guys. Uh, and any a number of shows on the network, you can find all of them by going to MaximumFun.org. Uh, you can also find other McElroy shows at McElroyShows.com. I think that's it. That is it. All right, well, we'll talk to you next week, all right? Take it easy back there in the back. <laughs> I want to see you with your hands up, people in the back. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Every week on Inside Pop, we take turns recommending something great from the world of pop culture to each other. And in the month of October, we're going big, very big, with the Big Cell 30. Every day for 30 days, we're going to suggest some type of pop culture to check out. Things that may not be on your radar, but will be well worth trying. From TV to music to movies and more, The Big Cell 30 is as irresistible as a Jedi mind trick. As convincing as an Annalise Keating closing argument. And as seductive as Miguel singing a ballad shirtless and slightly sweaty. Follow us on Twitter at Pop Insiders for daily Big Cells and listen to Inside Pop every week for Big Cells from some special guests. The Big Cell 30 starts October 1st and runs every day of the month on Inside Pop.